Hey guys, it's Allison. I am so glad you're here with me. I want to tell you that this podcast, From Weeds to Wildflowers, it's all about resilience. So then it's pretty much about life. And if you've ever experienced life, then this podcast could possibly be for you. I want to put a disclaimer out there first. I am not a therapist. I'm not here to give you advice or to tell you what to do. What I am though is human. Yep, same as you. A human being that has an immense desire to want to help people discover ways to heal. There is so much suffering in this world, some of which stems from outside influences, but most of our suffering comes from within, from our own devices. And that is what worries me the most. I too have suffered, and yes, some of which came by means of my own hands. I would love for you to join me and walk alongside me as we navigate this wonderful, beautiful, sometimes frightening thing we call life. Let's find out what we're made of, and perhaps we can find ways we can do it better. Help me to unearth skills to dig deep in search of proverbial water that heals. Let's learn how to bloom wherever we find ourselves not just where we're planted, and uncover the source of our own innate personal happiness. Come on now, let's do this together. All right, so welcome to the podcast today. I am so excited because I have a very special person on today. Her name is Jen Halterman, and a little background of my own that she might not share with you is she is one of my friends from my earliest memories, and she holds a special place in my heart. I'm going to (laughs) cry. She holds a special place in my heart, and um, we kind of lost touch after high school, and... um, just in the last, has it been just a few months? Yeah. Yeah. Um, she happened to see me on Facebook and reached out and it has been a glorious and beautiful reunion. And I am forever grateful for her reaching out. Um, my life will never be the same because she is back in it. And I, I love that. And when I say never be the same, it is in such a blessed and beautiful way. But I am going to let her introduce herself. Her name is Jen Halterman. I will give you that. And um, I asked her of a professional title, but she does so many things. Um, One of the things that she said is she is an instigator of change. And of that, I truly, I know firsthand. Um, She's also a survivor. And I'm sure that some of that she will share with you today. And so with further, without further ado, I give you Jen Halterman. Oh, thank you so much. I am so glad to be here. I did not expect to get emotional. So really? <laughs> <laughs> right out of the gate. Okay. <laughs> I'm so glad to be here with you and to be reconnected with you. So we can be here means the world to me. And oh, thank you that. for this invitation. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as an introduction, I'm, I would say I started out very average in a very controlled environment, just a little girl trying to figure out how to be good enough, how to be loved enough, how to measure up. And it took me almost, it was, you know, almost to my forties before I broke free from that structure that I never belonged in, that I never was safe in, that I never was honored in. And once that happened, I really just blossomed into all that I am. I do a lot of things. I didn't know when I was a little girl that I was a medium. I didn't know I was psychic. I didn't know that I was accessing the Akashic Records. I didn't know any of that because it didn't fit into the script of my family of origin and their belief system. And so once I really accepted who I am, then everything opened up and, you know, I've done life coaching for years. I've done Akashic record readings. I've done intuitive readings. I do tarot readings. Astrology comes through also all of these things combined, but really uh, what I am, what I do is I help people find who they are within themselves, no matter what structure they're in. And that's my passion and my love and, 
I, I just can't help myself. I do it everywhere I go. So <laughs> that's just who I be. <laughs> so that's me. I love that. I so love that. She does courses too, um, online. Like, and so explain that because you have one starting in the beginning of the year and I just kind of want them to see what you, what you do. Mm. Well, for years, like I said, astrology and all the, any, thing that seemed to point in the direction of knowing myself or helping others know themselves better always got my attention. So I have numerous trainings and, you know, I'm a guide for the Gene Keys and I, oh, there's just so many. Anyway, and what I've done is one thing at a time for years. So I actually initiated doing a course in miracles and I guided a group as a course in miracles teacher. I did way of mastery. And so I guided people through that. And now what I found is I can't keep anything separate anymore. It's all kind of <laughs> mushing together. And so all of the people that, that I've been guiding through the jinkies sequences or the, uh, what the jinkies does as an organization I can't help but bring in astrology and, and I, I automatically liken it to the storytelling of the tarot. And so what I'm doing this next year is really taking a very small core group through their own astrology charts because the charts are, are divided. If you look at your birth chart, it's divided into 12 sections. Each of those sections represents an area or an arena of your life. And so instead of just making it about astrology, we're going to go around everybody's chart. They will individually, and they'll look at what is within that chart for them. Because if, if for anybody that doesn't know anything about astrology, I'll explain it like this, because I'm not an ex astrology pro or expert. So I'm explaining it to you in gen language <laughs> <laughs> is if say for myself, my first house, my sense of identity is a very talkative communicator. And I can understand that about myself than anywhere in my life that I have had people tell me to stop talking. Somebody put a quarter in you. Do you ever breathe? Why are you always talking? You're always so noisy. Anywhere that that happens, when I understand that I am designed, I came in wearing and, and my body is designed to communicate. I can forgive all of that projection that ever came my way. And I can start to align with what do I really want to talk about? Because most of the time when I'm talking just for the sake of talking, I'm just begging to be heard. I'm not truly communicating what my soul wants to communicate. And that. so sifting all of that out over a year with people as they go through their own expl explanation of what does this mean to them? I'm just giving them the map. I'm giving them tools to reference, but I'm not defining what it means to them. And that's why this is such an intimate group. It's a very limited group because I want individuals to have the opportunity to walk themselves home, not be told. <laughs> oh my God. As you can tell by my voice, that, that means more to me than any, you know, program that in the end they achieve a certain goal. My goal, my intention, my prayer is that they walk themselves home. And that is the best gift you can actually give them. It yeah. really is. But what a beautiful guide. I mean, you guys, I wish, I wish you could just see Jen today. I she's glowing. She is radiant and she is gorgeous. Sorry. She means a lot to me. And just listening to her talk about her purpose and what she does is just amazing. And I know, like you said, I know it firsthand. She actually did my birth chart. We sat on Zoom, much like we are today, and talked about my chart and then what that means to me. And I will be forever grateful. Jen and I have a lot of background um, together and some of the things that she speaks of um, are mirrored as well for me and um, belonging, you know, not belonging, but uh, being put in certain boxes. And it took a long time for me to break out of certain boxes as well. It's such a beautiful, freeing 
coming home experience. So I love that what you're doing with this small group. It's gorgeous. It really, really is. It's so fun. <laughs> I I love that you think it's fun too, but that that's the whole gist of it, right? Is I mean, you take so much joy in this as well. It's palpable. Oh, so I love you. that. I love you know, that. one of the things I know that your show is about that resilience. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure how you define resilience. So before I share what's what came into my mind, how do you define resilience? You know, I don't. Mm. I don't define mm -hmm. it because I think every single person resilience means something different. Yeah. So I can tell you what I think resilience is to me, but I've also talked to other people that opened my mind as to what resilience can be. Mm -hmm. In essence, I feel that resilience is just, it's a way for us to assimilate the changing, the forever changing of life, right? Life will never be the same. I, I love when people say, well, they don't like change. And I'm like, then you must not like life mm -hmm. because life is never without change. Right. You know, um, I always told my kids, I said, change is always good. And they, they used to really balk at that. And I said, no, no, listen, change is good. Even if it's bad, here's why, because you never would have known you didn't like that. Had you not tried something different. Right. So change is inevitable. Change means something different. Resilience means something different. And it depends on the situation you're in. And it will forever morph, I think, throughout your life. So anyway. <laughs> I love that. No, I and that's exactly the path I was on with it was for me that resilience is coming back in, like getting knocked down, getting back up, bouncing back in, yeah. choosing back into life when you get knocked down, that kind of whatever that looks like for each individual. And, and for me, part of the resilience of life has been realizing that one of the gifts that I have and this, and I'm just going to refer to it because it is what I do and it's who I am, but I am really great at daily rituals and routines. Now, when you are born into and raised within a high demand structure or religion as I was, then what that means is scripture study, scripture mastery, memorization, da, 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 daily routine, daily ritual, da, 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 da. Now that in that system mm -hmm. beat me down, right? Mm -hmm. I was good at it, but it beat me down. And so yeah. when I left found me, what ended up happening was I automatically returned to daily rituals and routines. Now, when I look at it now, I have a very strong sixth house of my astrology chart. And that means work and service routines and rituals. I have a very strong house, very large house. In fact, I've got another sign intercepted within the ones that are at the bookends to it. So what that means is what I resented and what was used to control me in the beginning built within me tracks that when I left that system, mm -hmm. the tracks belong to me, baby. And oh. I am going to do the daily routines to serve my path. Yeah. It may be different than my mother's, but I am actually honoring what she gave me. She may have given it to me, expecting me to go a different place, but I own the tracks. So like I said, I've used those tracks to do a podcast five days a week for years. I use those tracks to do daily messages to a large community of A Course in Miracle messages. I use those tracks with different things that I do. And now I'm using those tracks with what I call DIG, it's Divine Improv Guild, where I send out a message every single morning about the transiting energy or the frequency or the gene key, if you want to, like, where does it anchor into? It's the I Ching of what is transiting. What is the sun shining a light on that day? So every day I am still using the tracks that were laid within a system that was designed to limit me. But once I liberate, liberated my, myself, I liberated everything I had learned. And I am so thankful for those habits. Instead of having to hate the habit because it was used against me, 
I liberated the habit and I use it now for the greater good, for my purpose, for my path that I choose to be on every day. And every single day when I'm doing my tarot journaling, when I am sending out the dig message, when I am interacting with community that I am committed to every single day, I'm reinforcing that I am choosing my path, my life. That, that was a freaking mic drop. <laughs> Honestly, Jen, that is, that is total resilience, right? Total resilience, taking what was used against you, transforming it into something for yourself, something good, something positive and something that fits you. I see that in people who, I mean, you, you hear stories all the time, right? Of people like they shouldn't have survived their childhood or, or whatever. And taking the terrible things that were either done to them or that they had to live in or through taking that and using that in such a beautiful way, transforming it into something beautiful. We could probably find multiple things, you know, ways in which they're resilient, which they didn't even maybe realize themselves. Right. Right. I think that that is one of the powers that I tapped into when I was trying to find out who I am. Mm -hmm. I had to decide that I was not what was done to me and that I was not what I've done. And the biggest situation that that came to a head for me was um, I was, I experienced abuse as a child. And so I was sexually abused as a child, but then also as a teenager. And after years and years, therapy, coaching, you know, self-awareness, all of these things happened. I was approached by a individual who is a therapist to support people who were leaving their situation of incarceration. And we were talking and he said, and I brought this up that I had been abused. And he said, how are, wait, how are you, you? And it led to a beautiful conversation. And he actually invited me to come and speak to a group of individuals who are being released from prison for abusing others. Wow. And it was one of the hardest choices to make to say yes to that. It was, I could have said, no, I could have said that's why me, you know, I could have had all these stories, but I chose to step into that. And after talking and letting the others talk, it was kind of the setting, like an AA meeting where everybody just shares Mm -hmm. that you're there to witness you you just witness and there's no interruptions. And when we were complete, I asked if we could do an exercise and it was something I'd been practicing for years and I was able to do it with this, group of gentlemen. And what I did was we, I stood in front of each one of them. Oh, Oh. it makes me just still so emotional. So I stood in front of them and we would take time to breathe first of all, because that's so important to make sure we're each in our own body because this can be a very intense thing. We're a few feet apart. So everything's safe, but I wanted eye contact. I wanted presence And I looked at each of them and I said, you are not what you've done. And then we would breathe. And then I would say, and I am not what was done to me. Oh my gosh. And then they would take their turn. And I witnessed the break and the resilience spring back within these individuals who had never experience such an intense face-to-face situation with a victim and them themselves seeing and acknowledging their abusive um, actions. And as each of them said, I am not what I've done. And witnessing the tarot card tower moment crumble of everything that was not going to serve their healing journey forward fall apart and then them rise back up, return to presence, looking me straight in the eyes and say, and I am not what was done to me. And then again, another falling apart and a falling away of everything that had they'd been holding and the shame and the blame and the, the wounding and then to breathe and then say hello 
And then they look back and say hello, because we did not greet the same person that we did at the beginning of the class after that had fallen apart. At the end, when we said hello to each other, eye to eye, we were different individuals, each of us. To go through that process with the group and then to leave, go to my car, have my myself a little come apart, cry, <laughs> sob, sweat, ugly tears, the whole thing, you know, and look in the mirror at myself in my visor and say, you are not who you used to be. And you are not what was done to you. And own that. And it took years. It took years of daily practices. It took a lot of therapy and coaching and a lot of self-reflection and all, I did all the workshops. I did it all. I can't give credit to one thing other than me because I'm the one who kept showing up in the room. I'm the one who kept showing up on my knees. I'm the one who kept showing up with my journal. I showed up with every single thing that even if I quit that practice, like I don't do Course in Miracles every day anymore. That was a time it served and then it's gone. I don't read the scriptures every single day. That was a time it served and it's gone. I do other things now, but they're not wrong because they're not here today. They just don't belong here right now. I believe that everything has a time and a space. And sometimes we apply the wrong place to the right time and the right time to the wrong place. And we mess things up. It's waiting for that internal acknowledgement that this is the time and this is the space for this. And so I will fully engage with this with full commitment, open heartedly experience it. And when it is done, I will let it go. Not because it's wrong but because I'm moving beyond the space and time it belongs in. That to me is my, my personal formula and my key to resilience. That's, that is beautiful. That is so beautiful. Jenny, sorry, I, I slip into old, old habits. <laughs> I grew up with her as Jenny. So if I slip there, uh, she said it was okay. So <laughs> you're but allowed. Jenny is such an example to me. I not, um, a couple of weeks ago, I went and spent some time at her home and I am just ever amazed at her ability to be so self-aware at like all times that takes practice that takes resilience. And, um, she has been through quite a lot of things in her life, um, some very tragic things. And yet you look at her, you would never know. She is one of the happiest people that I know too. And she can smile and she gives so much. I just, I love that. I love that. We, we all can work past things or I don't even know that working past things, but working through things and not letting certain things define us, you know, um, really, truly tapping into who we are as an individual, I think is part of that process. But yeah. One of the things that my daughter taught me. Oh no. <laughs> you want to give us any background on your daughter? Yeah. Yeah. My daughter is Kelsey is her name and she is a spitfire and she always will be. And in 2013, she and her beloved and their unborn child and even five of their dogs all exited the this plane of existence together in a car accident that was ridiculous. Um, but Kelsey <clears throat> continues to teach me. And one of the things that I learned having my daughter die, having it be compounded with the accompaniment of every everybody else that also quit living you know like they were no longer living it was a it was an entire family unit all killed at once and it took years and that's what i'm going to say it took years and years and years of grief and healing to look at this no matter how much work i'd done on myself before nothing prepared me for that pathway that I was going to go down. But the thing that she taught me was if I wasn't defined by the church leader that sexually abused me as a little girl, 
or the return missionary that raped me as a teenager, if I wasn't defined by that, then how could I say that I honor her and love her and then define myself by her exit? I couldn't. I couldn't. And there were days when not defining myself by the grief meant that I dove into the grief. I didn't avoid it. I didn't spiritually override it. I didn't dismiss it. I didn't excuse it. I dove in. Grief is what made me pick up the paintbrush and paint my first painting. It's what did that. Without Kelsey, I wouldn't have paintings at a local college on the wall right now. Without that grief, Without the loss of her and me refusing to be defined by it, I would have like missed so much more of me. Like I can't give that to her also and put that burden on her and say, well, you know, I survived all these things. I survived health issues. I survived a whole lot of drama and messes that I made and some that I was just in the splash zone of. I survived all that. But by golly, you know, this pain, this is what I'm going to give up me for. I couldn't do that and call it love. And so as, as every day, I am practicing being self-aware. Like I haven't achieved self-awareness. Every day I'm recommitting every moment when I get impatient with my dogs or, you know, I'm having a squabble with my wife, which we rarely ever do, but you know, it could happen. (laughs) If I'm being impatient about the order of, you know, groceries that get brought in the house or some garbage like that, I choose, am I going to give this moment a way to be defined by an impatient or a, a inconvenience? Or am I going to say, oh, look at this discomfort of life that I get to experience? Because here's the big news flash: I'm not dead yet. <laughs> Kelsey is, but I'm not. So if I'm not dead yet, I still get to choose. Absolutely. How am I going to use this moment? And sometimes this moment is just taking a breath and laughing at myself and saying, wow, I want to be so controlling right now. And thanks to the language that my wife, Sherry, and I have come up with, we acknowledge our shadows. So through the gene key frequency of um, the 64 gene keys, they're represented by a pathway of each gene key, but there's a shadow aspect and the highest essence of it. And so I will acknowledge because I have a strength (laughs) of authority. And that comes with the shadow of control. So if I say to Sherry, boy, I want to control the hell out of stuff, depending on the the space she's in, she might actually say, okay, so do. And then we play this game and, you know, I like become super personified controlling until we end up laughing at it. And the control just kind of (laughs) leaves, you know, (laughs) and we end up going back to us or she might show up and say, I, my intolerance is super high and I'll, okay, what do you want to do with that? But that's our choice because those are our vows. That's our marriage Mm -hmm. is it's based on this foundation of you do not change. And I don't owe you through vows, but my vow is to be me fully. And when I forget that you will kindly remind me of my vows to be me. And so that is how our marriage is even set up. That's the foundation of it. And to me that, yes, we've created this environment but it took time. It took practice. It took a lot of hot messes. It took a lot of turmoil to get here, but it is possible. And it is, it's a big picture thing. If you see the big picture and you go, I can't climb that mountain. You're right. But can you take one step? Because right now, if I can take one step, that's the determination of me. That is me saying every intentional act is a magical act every intentional act is a magical act. That is a Crowley quote, by the way, I just want to acknowledge the Tarot creator. (laughs) Um, And so that's every single thing I can do with intention and not dismissive or numbed out. I am tapping into my magic of creation and therefore I am co-creating with the divine or the universe or my neighbors or, you know, the elements. And that to me is living because I'm not dead yet. And I see so many people in grief and trauma, in loss and depression who are living as if they are dead. Dead. Yes, I agree. Yeah. I agree. 
life is a series of choices. And you know what? If you make a choice and you don't like it, then choose again, right? Yes. I, um, you said something uh, when I was at their house. Um, Sherry is a doll. I love her too. She, I was saying something was um, difficult or something. And she said, I think it was Sherry. Was it Sherry or was it you? I think yeah. it was Sherry. And she says, but what if you thought it was easy? I was like, holy shit, that was like a mic drop. And I said, okay. And I went home and I made that change in my thought process. And it was. Right. Our thoughts are things. We can be so controlled by negative thoughts. But if we flip that coin and see the opposite side of that coin, it's, it's just as easy to make positive thoughts, right? right. I, oh, I absolutely love that. You know, there was, so Sarah Blondin in one of her, she's one of my favorites um, in, to listen to a guided meditation. I remember one of them though, she says, fruit is labored for yes. when you were saying about your wedding vows and that it took time and it took years and it took dedication Life doesn't have to be hard, but it does take effort. Uh -huh. And I think that's where some people get a miscommunication. Do you think? Yeah. In fact, I just was listening to the audio contemplation about the 38 gene key, which is the shadow of struggle, but it's a pathway. The gift is perseverance. And in that, the Richard Rudd, who thank you, Richard, for bringing the gene keys through, uh, he was speaking about how life is struggle. Like everything takes exactly. efforting. There is efforting. However, suffering is not always necessary. Agreed. So you can struggle. I love the struggle of actually working through the creation of a, a beautiful meal. I love the struggle of exercise. I love the struggle of, you know, watching a garden turn into a harvest and a bounty. I love that struggle, but is it suffering? Because that's where the habit of this is hard and oh, woe is me. And that victim mindset comes in where I do have a choice because I'm going to struggle through life. It is going to happen. It's not easy to be human. <laughs> it, it, isn't. Just, it isn't. It's constantly but, changing. It's just, I'm like, Today right. being human is different than tomorrow's going to be. Yes. So do we have to suffer though? Because yeah. there is a time and place for grief and hardship and pain. Absolutely. But in the mundane, if you think about it, I may not like to fold the laundry and it may take me a good solid, you know, four to seven <laughs> business days. <laughs> However, is it really were suffering and have anguish and give all those words of complaining to all that or is time that too. habit right yeah because we worry about it we stress about it we we put so much substance to it that it's <laughs> taking up time we could be doing something else so I'm on this breath course right mm -hmm. and I remember we were talking about pain versus suffering and she says pain is there to tell us something yeah right it is it is a messenger Absolutely. But suffering is when we attach it to a story. So let's look at pain. Let's say, pain, come on in. Sit down yeah. next to me. Let's have a little talk. What, what are you trying to tell me? You know, if we maybe understand or try to understand those other emotions, because those dark emotions come in to tell us things, right? Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm having feelings of anxiety. Okay. Yeah. Why? What is it telling me? about myself or about the situation. Maybe it's a situation I shouldn't be in, you right. know? I think in the suffering is, it, it is a habit of story. It is. And it's so, it can be such a ridiculous game. Like for you, you were like, oh my gosh, I can look at this differently. You went home, you applied it. Now you're practicing, you're living it and you've experienced change. Now what transformation that's going to lead to is still to be told. Right. Or we may have to do things that are really determined and it, it does require that we draw on our willpower. Sure. Because repetitive change. 
that creates lasting transformation is worth that momentary pain. Absolutely. You know, I, I think about when my, my kids were little. Mm-hmm. Life, if if I saw a bad day ruined by one cup spilled on the floor, ruined the whole day, then I'm not giving the power of my resilience to reset. So instead, what as a mother I learned was, okay, we're having a bad moment. Are we having a bad minute? Yeah. Okay. Do we need to sit down? Do we need to breathe? Do we need to cuddle? Do we need to reset? What is it that we need here? And then the day doesn't become that one spill. And so as a mother, I would reset, 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 reset. And now when I have, I'm a yaw to some kids that I'm very blessed to have in my life. So when I'm yaw yawing and the, the grandkids- That means grandma. Yeah, right. It's another <laughs> word for grandma. And the grandkids are around and we have blueberries suddenly on the new carpet. Is it going to ruin everything? No, it's a moment in time. And I get to choose what I'm going to do with that moment. Am I going to be reacting out of anger, fear, you know, judgment of beauty, whatever that is, or am I going to choose love, kindness, and resourcefulness and teach how to clean up blueberries? Like that I have a I have a choice over, I have a say, but we all do. But if we're not in the habit of resetting and saying, whoop, okay start over. And so Sherry and I, one of the practices, we did this for a long time. It was a fun game that we played when we had a moment or we noticed a thought come through, or we had a bad habit show up. We would yell in our house across the house to each other, clear, clear, <laughs> like clearing the moment. And we would, you know, we, when we said it with you here at the house, it was like the paddles, you know, right. restarting the heart. Well, it is a restart for the day. Yeah. Restart for that moment. So clear. And it was never spoken of again. We didn't have to tell each other that was a rule. We just lived it. We'd be in a situation where we might get it, be getting tense or anxious about something. We would say clear. We would restart, take a breath, move on, and not refer back to what we had just left behind. That takes some dedication. But that also, I again, it takes some awareness of each other too and being like okay this is this is something that we we've either talked about or innately feel and then being able to move on that's the problem is a lot of people keep going back to that same thing I remember listening to a podcast and I can't remember who the guy was that was on but he'd said I mean he had overcome cancer when an emotion or something comes up or an, a situation like the blueberries on the carpet, he says, I give myself five minutes tops. Yep. He says, at least I began with five minutes tops to be angry, to be frustrated to whatever. But once that was done, I moved on. Yes. And he said, you know, the funny thing was, is that the more he practiced this, it didn't take five minutes. Nope. He says it was more like five seconds and be like, ah, oh, shit. Uh, blueberries on the floor all right (laughs) you know that kind of thing and was able to move past it we ruminate and ruminate in that same stew we just (laughs) stew in that area and it ruins the day it can ruin the week it can ruin the month and then it becomes actually part of our personality right yeah because we can't move past it right yeah that is our calling card absolutely yeah that is a beautiful practice jenny i Mm -hmm. That's, yeah, that's worthy of deep thought. I love that. (laughs) Holy shit. There's been so many mic drops here just (laughs) in such a short period of time. Mm. She is so wise. She's Mm. been through a hell of a lot in her life. Tell, if if you will, you don't have to, if you don't want to, but I love your little story. So they used to live in Texas. Mm hmm. Um, and your little story from when it changed from living in Texas to living in Utah, like on a dime, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's so many aspects to that story. So I'm going to go with the one that comes up now. There is a, a gift within me. I'm going to just own it as a gift within me. And it is, I call it the gift of 
being a wanderer or a gypsy or a, you know, I just mm-hmm. know when it's time to leave or when I'm complete in a place. Mm-hmm. And, and as I watched, Sherry had a very long career, a healthy practice there. She's a massage therapist, works with uh, cranial sacral, especially babies and, and special needs uh, clientele. And so she had this great thriving practice. And then there was just this knowing that there was time to change all the contributing factors to our life. And so we, we went about what would happen if we left? What would happen if we just decided to go somewhere else? And we felt drawn to go back to Utah where my, my mother lives and siblings and such. And so what we did was we set it up where we'd do six months here, six months there, winter, summer, you know, and I thought I'm too young to be a snowbird, but that's what we called them in Utah. And that's what it was. <laughs> and we went back and forth, back and forth. And then there came this lockdown of COVID. Well, we happened to be down in Texas when it hit. Well, now she can't do her practice. So now we are in a pod living with the kids and the family, the Mancini family that call us yayas and, and we're all in it together. But then there came this moment where it's like, now it's time to go. And I'm thinking, how are we going to transfer to another state? Because at that time there were a lot of restrictions on travel, right. even in your car. And we, was this the very beginning of COVID? Very beginning. Yeah. We literally drove through Gallup, New Mexico, like four hours before they shut down the borders to the town. They had a shutdown because it was so rampant there. Wow. It was big, fun drama. Like you're like, <laughs> oh, this is it. Like this stuff ma- movies are made of. But we were scared. <laughs> so <laughs> we come back and literally we're at, we're, now we're in a new pod and we're living in the home of my sister and brother-in-law and the four of us. It was great because at least we're with friends, that type thing. And, mm-hmm. and um, we're closer to family. And then Sherry says, she, Hey, where's Brigham city? <laughs> and I look at her, I'm like, well, spitting distance to Idaho. Why? <laughs> I have no idea what's about to happen. She's like, I don't know. No reason. And so she's doing her business. She's doing whatever. We're bored. Come on. We're singing classic <laughs> countries hits on face of the book live. We're doing all this stuff because we just want to, you know, connect with the world, but we're isolated. It was just a crazy time. Anyway, so she applies for a job. <laughs> she looks at this job online, says, I qualify. I've got those qualifications. Why not? Now, COVID at this point has moved on. We've survived a lot of time of things starting to reopen. Things are starting to open back up. And she applies for this job. She says, oh, I'm going to go, I've got an interview with that job. And I'm looking at her, I'm like, what job? Well, remember <laughs> when I mentioned it, it had literally been five months since oh. she had seen the job. <laughs> I'd forgotten. <laughs> At this point, I'm drawing mandalas on Zoom with people, you know, <laughs> whatever. You know, everybody's making sourdough. Like, it's a <laughs> thing. And she says she's going to this job interview. And she goes to the interview and she comes back. She's like, that was great fun. And a few hours later, they call her and offer the job. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, hello, wait, what just happened? What just happened? And <laughs> as me as a wanderer loving all this, like, what just happened? She's like, well, this, and, and she spoke to our values. She spoke to her living in her tenacity, her being of service, her passing on to the next generation, the knowledge that she had worked her whole life to have. Those were her values. The moment she said, I get to establish and then be the department head of a massage therapy program, I went, and that's where we're going because that's her path. And the highest value that I can be is to support her dreams. So off we go. We moved (laughs) by Idaho. <laughs> where the wind is like Wyoming and Idaho wind. It's craziness. <laughs> and she establishes roots because her soul needs roots. roots. Mine loves wheels. 
I can always drive away from the roots and come back, (laughs) (laughs) but she, she needs that. And so for her, what she did was she followed the, those nudges of her Mm -hmm. own perseverance, her own determination, her own natural inclination to be of service. Mm -hmm. And then while she was setting up the school, she found her own journal from massage school when it said, what is your lifelong dream and she had written down it was 23 years ago to have a massage therapy school oh my gosh so her own wandering and following those impulses of where what's next where can I be of the greatest service what is the highest good I was doing everything online at the time I could go anywhere but she found the place she could be of the highest service so therefore here we are that's where you are. North end of Utah. <laughs> Setting down roots. <laughs> right. right. And honoring both of us. You know, I think that yep. that's the biggest piece of it is I know that for some who may be in relationship and not have this kind of dynamic, it may sound impossible. And for somebody maybe who is alone and who longs for partnership so much, mm-hmm. they may say, oh, but only if. But here's what I want to tell you is we had to embrace our imperfection so fully that while we're still holding on, we blossom. We did not come in like this. We were not healthy. <laughs> we were not conscious about it all. We brought all of our old relationship dynamics together and we started sifting it through and filtering out what didn't serve what, what our highest value is. It takes work. It takes knowing ourselves. And then we bring that together and honor it in each other. So I, I always hesitate because I'm like, I'm not the ideal. I'm not the ideal person of relationships here. I happen to be in a really wonderful marriage and we work daily to honor it. I love that. Do you know what I loved, especially, is that you said you weren't perfect when you t- came together. That you brought all your baggage. Well, no, 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 no. Of course, nobody is right. But, but I think, I think people think that they have to be perfect or to a certain level of themselves before they can be in relationship. I said, honestly, I love that you two though, were willing to work together. You knew enough that you wanted to be together and realize your imperfections but willing to work together to work on those as a team, as a couple. And they are a beautiful couple. Um, I spent many hours. We played a fun, fun game when I went up there the other night. And we, how, how many hours were we playing game? I don't even know. Like four. Like transformation game. It was so fun. Yeah. But yeah. they just, there is so much respect, so much love. But I love that we don't have to be perfect. We can work on ourselves while being in a relationship mm-hmm. and it can work, but it does require effort. It does require, yeah, it requires some work. And this isn't achievable with Sherry and I, if either of us are committed to being right. If we believe we need to be right or or would ever use when somebody is wrong against them as a weapon, this wouldn't work. So we have a saying, it's one of our catchphrases and that's, well, this is what I know for sure. And I could be totally wrong about it. (laughs) 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 We used to actually have wrong weekends. We would see how wrong we could be because one of us was going into some kind of lockdown of control or insecurity or whatever it was. So we would say, do we need a wrong weekend? We'd be like, yeah, I do. I need, I need to be really wrong this weekend. And we would be like, I even picked up this, you know, carton of eggs wrong at the grocery store. We would, we would claim everything we were doing is wrong. So we could see how ridiculous our own judgments were and how we applied them in really ridiculous ways. They weren't anything that served us. We were, we were just feeding the monster of self-doubt. And instead we go, yeah, now it's like, oh, I was so wrong about that. And it's gone. It's done. And 
that is, that's the world I want to live in. Those are the playmates I want to have is I can look at and go, did you see I'm the person that trips and doesn't stand up and go, oh, I hope nobody saw that. Oh no. I'm like, did y'all see that? Like, that was awesome. <laughs> look at, I ripped the ass of my jeans. You want to see? I'm the one who's like, oh no, look how great this human experience was. They, and they, they can, they can laugh at themselves. And I, that's something I have um, tried to do in the last couple of years, because I had grown up with such a persona of having to be perfect. You know, maybe if I'm perfect, then this, you know, my marriage will be better. Maybe, you know, well, that perfect didn't work. So maybe I'll find another perfect to make my marriage work or, you know, or to be happy or whatever. Anyway, um, I think though, part of that joy comes from being able to laugh at ourselves and realize we are spiritual beings living mm -hmm. a human experience, right? right? Yes. It's not the other way around. No, we are spiritual beings living a human existence and you two are seriously the epitome of, I love it. But you even said it, it requires a daily effort. It requires daily, um, a daily constitution of those practices. Right. So I'm glad you didn't, you know, gloss it over and be like, oh, we're just awesome this way, you know, but realize <laughs> you may be awesome, but we've had to work damn hard at it. You know, right. what, what, what's your we're, phrase? What's your phrase though? Uh, what is it? Accidentally fabulous? Yes. <laughs> I love that phrase. <laughs> Accidentally fabulous yet again, because to me, if it goes great, that's wonderful. But actually, if it goes sideways, it can be wonderful too. Because even if somebody got a laugh out of it, it's still a human moment in time yes. used that can create judgment and insecurity, or it can create laughter. Like one of the my former podcasts, Everyday Joy, the, my actual sign off was every moment of every day, we're all making choices. We can make those choices from fear or joy. It's up to us. That was my, that was my log off. I love that. And I still live it, you know, and I love playing with people and spreading laughter, but sometimes laughter doesn't come until after we've actually shared the tears. Absolutely. You know, Sherry and I are crazy. Truly. We are wackadoo. We laugh at ourselves so often. We do not gloss over when we do something dumb in our house. No, we put that sucker on a trophy stand and we bronze it. Like that was impressive. <laughs> I love that so much. It'll become a catchphrase in our house. I love it. We love it. And that's our choice because it works for us. It works for you. It so does. Oh my gosh. What a beautiful beautiful time we've got to spend together. Yeah. Jenny, I am so grateful that you joined me today. Honestly, so many mic drops, so many good things that are going on in your life that can be transferred to other people's lives if they, if they so choose, right? It's all a choice. And Thank I you. love you. I love yeah. you, Allison. Thank I you for having you. me. <laughs> Absolutely. If you guys are interested in follow, following Jen, um, I will put all of her information in the show notes, anywhere you can find her and yeah, look her up. She, she is a gem. She mm. is a gem. Thank, oh, you. thank you so much. What a great conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. So much goodness and so many tidbits to take away from today's conversation. I hope that this episode caused you to pause, to think, to feel, and maybe dig deeper in the search for resilience within yourself. I hope that some of you were able to find things here to add to or to help you hone tools you've already acquired in your individual search for resilience. I can't wait to see you next time.